podcast featuring your boy J.K. Greer and my homie T.J. Forte. Yes, sir. We'll be bringing you our best on life, sports, and culture. And today, we're going to do things a little differently. Um, I know we've been uh, petitioning feedback from some of our listeners, our fan base, um, kind of some of the things that you all want to hear about. Um, and how you can do that is hitting us up on our DM, Instagram, Golden Nest Podcast, or Golden Nest Podcast at gmail.com. But so one of our lovely fans has um, asked us to speak on the topic of a very impactful gentleman by the name of Isaac Wright Jr. Um, Many of you may have heard of him um, most infamously now for a new show exclusively produced by none other than Curry's 50 Cent Jackson. It's a show called My Life, which actually comes on ABC on Monday nights at 10 o'clock. So if you don't have anything going on Monday night at 10 o'clock, check it out on ABC. We're not being paid for this, but shout out. Um, yeah, so we want to focus this podcast episode specifically on talking about uh, Mr. Isaac Wright Jr., kind of letting you into his life, um, some of the impactful things that he's done and is doing, and um, just a little um, kind of tidbit as to what made his name so infamous. So... TJ. Yes, sir. So, did you get to, uh, have you checked out any of the, the new episodes yet? or? So, I haven't watched much of the show. I had heard about the show and heard about his story. Um, so, I just kind of did research on it. Um, okay. And I watched, like, the trailer and stuff like that for to kind of get a gist of it and looked at, you know, did some research on it. But, um, right. I mean, first of all, dude went through a lot. Um, <laughs> You know, to be, um, have, you know, be charged with being a drug kingpin, you know, um, you know, and think about it is, you know, he was representing himself because he felt like, you know, look, I know I'm innocent. I can represent myself. And then for all that to come crashing down and then you get a 70 year sentence and 18 counts against you. Crazy. I know, I mean, you, I can't imagine what he was going through, man. Yeah, I think <laughs> the crazy thing, man, um, once I started to look into his life, and I, I did actually check out the, the first episode. I'm a, kind of a, a latecomer when it, um, when it comes to this, but uh, even with the first episode that I watched, I was captivated. Um, now, you know, not to confuse the show with his life, even though it is based on his life, there are, of course, some um, different aspects of the show that are a little different um, from his his actual personal life. Um, one of those notable differences is um, the show tends to take place in New York, where um, his story, where he was um, arrested when he moved, happened in New Jersey, and um, also with his uh, his wife, who we'll talk a little bit um, about later. She was a um, actually a vocalist, whereas the 
the show kind of has her highlighted as a, a nurse. But um, kind of starting out with his life, man, uh, I was kind of shocked to see that I mean, he actually grew up in South Carolina, which is, you know, in our backyard. Mm-hmm. But, but he grew up in a, a place that was called Monk's Corner, which is actually the same place that um, Elevation's pastor, Stephen Furtick, who's very vocal about his hometown. That's where he's from. And I also believe that Charlemagne the God is from Monk's Corner as well. So, um, you know, there's some, some notable um, individuals from this small town that you might not otherwise hear about, but I'm kind of jumping back to the topic at hand. Mr. Isaac Wright Jr. He actually grew up in a family that was a, you know, a structured military family. Um, it was a family that was kind of respected in the the neighborhood and, you know, his father and, you know, he had like a good rapport um, with even, you know, the, the officers in the, the area and the neighborhoods and, you know, uh, they were what you would call basically like the good guys, good guys in the area, you know, in the neighborhoods and, you know, to, for him to grow up with this upbringing in the military household and, you know, kind of being this upstanding guy who, you know, he moved from his home, Monk's Corner, he moved to New Jersey I think it was around the early 90s. And, oh, sorry, early 90s was when he was arrested. Mm -hmm. He moved to New Jersey. And he was actually, I mean, he was doing really well. He was a a producer. Um, A lot of people may not have known that. um, But he even helped to co-star the group, um, the cover girls that his wife was a vocalist on. But in the midst of all of that, you know, um, we'll, we'll kind of jump back and forth here and go into some detail, but there were some um, some corrupt people basically within um, the law system, which basically, they, they were jealous, basically, and saw an opportunity to, you know, to place blame on a, a successful African-American man who was doing well for himself, who wasn't really out here being super flashy or anything, but, you know, I mean, sometimes people, when they see someone that's doing better than them or doing someone doing, you know, how they feel that they should be living or, you know, or or just simply, hey, you know what, I'm not about to take the rap for this. You know, I have a high esteem. I have a, a certain status and I'm looked at highly within my respected um, profession you know, I'm not going to take this rap. I'm going to place it on somebody else. And what better individual to place it on? Yeah. So, I mean, I I know Nicholas Bizzle was the prosecutor. Um, and he was known to be dirty. He was super dirty. Um, yep. as, as it came, you know, as they say, he wasn't dark would come to the light. You know, he right. actually had, he was, you know, he had a bunch of dirt in his corner, which he got in trouble for, um, you know, and. Uh, I think it was a. Uh, uh, he ended up running from the cops, you know, <laughs> which was kind of crazy, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> and then the judge Michael Ibarani, I believe I'm saying that right. He was dirty too. He's actually current, currently in jail right now, you know. Um, hmm. So I thought that was kind of unique as well. 
Um, you know, embezzled. Like I said, he had his felonies of embezzlement, tax fraud, and then cut his ankle monitor off and ran from the cops. And the cops found him, and then he committed suicide. You know, wow. what a coward, right? So you're gonna you're gonna frame and fraud all these people for all these years. Um, become one of the. He was famous in New Jersey. He was like that. That lawyer you didn't want to go against because he had such a high conviction rate. Um, prosecutor, you know, stuff like that, and. And now, now you see why. I mean, he was, he was doing a lot of dirt, and um, he was actually <laughs> did that dirt against um, Isaac Wright, you know, um, which was it's just crazy, man. I mean, um, I was one thing that I want to say here because I feel like it's appropriate was I was listening to his interview on Sway in the Morning, and um, uh, Isaac Wright's interview on Sway in the Morning, and he said, um, you know, on his conviction day. Um, back in '91, when the, before the verdict was given, Bissell uh, walked up to the judge, said something, turned around, and looked him dead in the face while they were reading the verdict. And after the verdict was given that he was guilty, and they was reading off the other stuff, he said Bissell just smiled at him. And I was just wow. like, "Dang, this dude's like super cold blooded, like <laughs> you know what I mean?" And then um, yeah. Isaac, but Isaac said in that moment, you know, a little bit after, you know, he was kind of just taken back. He looked back at Bissell and smiled back at him. And I thought what he said <laughs> next was very powerful. He said because he was thinking about, he wasn't thinking about his current state. He was thinking about his future because he knew that he was going to fight this. He knew that he was wrongfully convicted and he knew that he was going to, you know, he just knew that he going to have to put that work in to get out. So I thought that was very powerful. So it's not currently your state that you're in. You know, if you can smile now, you'll be able to smile later. So I thought that was very powerful. When he said that, you know, that that's big. And that's definitely just a testament to his life, man. Um, you know, this is a, a man, Isaac Wright Jr., who, um, you know, before he, he went in, he, I mean, he, he was a high school graduate, you know, but that's pretty much all he had. He didn't have a, a law degree, any interest in law. He wasn't, um, he didn't go to college early on, um, but you know, once he was placed into, once he was placed in prison, you know, by the system, it's like his drive, his willingness, and not even just faith for himself, you know, he turned to start to fight for others. And for him, you know, it was like, this was his vengeance to get back at the corrupt system by, you know, helping to um, to exonerate um, other some of his fellow inmates that were wrongly convicted, mm -hmm. it, it turned from you know from it being all about himself and all about him getting out to you know what? Okay, I mean, if I get out, all right, you know, if I don't get out, then I'm still getting back because I'm letting all these people off that you put in here falsely. You know, it was unselfish. It was, you know, a lot of times, you know, we. You see things, if you know people, you've seen things on shows, movies where, I mean, greed, we know greed is just a thing that exists in the world anyways, but, you know, the term snitch that you hear a lot, <laughs> you know, the storm runner where it's like, you know, dude, I'm trying to get home, you know, I don't care who I take down with me, and I mean, you get labeled with that, you know, but it's like, hey, I'm going to do what it takes. The whole premise behind it is I'm going to do what it takes for me to get out. I don't care what happens to you. I don't care what happens to the next person, but... Isaac Wright Jr. was the total opposite of that. You know, he was fueled by 
what happened to him, but rather than him, you know, acting out and, you know, doing something to put, you know, put himself in a worse predicament, mm-hmm. he turned that, that negativity into a, you know, positive fuel to push him forward. And I know a lot of times, even for us, it's easy to, you know, when things are not going our way or, you know, we've talked about a common theme on, on our show where, you know, someone always in a worse situation, you know, and we, it always seems like our situation is, you know, the worst that it could possibly be. And in our minds it is, but the the truth of the matter is there's always somebody in a worse situation. But, you know, you don't see Isaac Wright Jr. being an individual that's sitting here for a pity party. He wasn't, you know, crying out, whining, complaining, and just sitting in his emotions. He, he said that, he strategized, he planned it out, and he thought logically, what is it that I can do with my current situation, my current position, to turn this out in a positive aspect, not only for myself, but even more so for others. I mean, he, he helped to release 20 wrongfully convicted inmates. Like, I'm not even calling inmates, I'm saying individuals, because, you know, they were placed in there falsely. And, you know, he could have taken the, the skill set and the knowledge base that he acquired while he was um, while he was locked up. But nah, once again, totally selfless, you know. Um, and I mean, he didn't necessarily look at it as practice. He from what I gathered, you know, he treated each case and each individual as, you know, someone that he was passionate about, you know, once he heard their case and their story and trying to get them off. It wasn't just about, oh, well, let me try it out. And if I fail, then, okay, let me keep trying. If I fail, okay, let me keep trying. It was, no, I'm going to succeed with this one. I'm going to succeed with the next one. And he kept that same thing going until he eventually freed himself. I mean, I just think that's phenomenal, man. Yeah, man. I mean, just to go into a little bit kind of what he went through and how he ended up becoming a licensed lawyer, um, you know, he didn't become, you know, in a little difference from the TV show, they kind of make him be a lawyer while he's in jail. But mm-hmm. in real life, he didn't get his license to become a lawyer until like 20 years after his conviction, which, you know, 20 plus years after his conviction, which is kind of crazy. So, um, you know, yeah. he actually, he was in, he got sentenced in 91. He got released in 96 because of, like we stated before, Bizzle was found out to be dirty. He had a bunch of felonies, embezzlement, stuff like that. And, um, because Bizzle was his prosecutor, they they were able to he was able to get released because of that, um, and they have to you know retrial him and go through all that stuff because all his cases were now under investigation. Um, so you know, while he was in prison, he was studying New Jersey state law, trying to you know mm-hmm. build his education because he knew he was going to try to fight this case and clear his name. Um, then when he got out, he attended Thomas Edison State University in Trenton, um, New Jersey, graduated in um, two thousand two. Then he went to St. Thomas University in Miami in 2004 before for law school and passed the bar in 2008. Then this then this man ran into more roadblocks because the New Jersey Bar Association was like, "Hold up, you got a sketchy past. We're gonna we need to investigate you." Um, and they they held his certification for nine years, man. So I know he's like, "Man, I did all this to get this to pass this bar." And now I can't even yeah. be a lawyer. I'm holding up my certification because of a sketchy background. Like, really? What's really going on? You know, um, 
But like you stated, you know, he he did get a certification. Um, and then, he, like I said, he did free over 20 inmates. Um, and the, the main key one, he helped a fel- one fellow inmate get rid of their kingpin charge. And he used that same strategy to get his kingpin charge removed. So, I mean, that was just testament to this, this brother's will. His, his, you know, look, I see something wrong and I'm going to do something about it, man. I mean, it's 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 amazing that he was able to accomplish all of that. You know, I mean, I can't say if I was in the same situation. I mean, no one, no one could really say. No one knows what you would do if you're in a certain situation. I mean, we all dealt with tons of devastating um, um, circumstances in our lives, and you just never really know how you're going to react. But you know, I mean, this this dude's been through a lot, and he still came out on top, man. So, kudos to him. You know. Yeah, he he's definitely um, been a mouthpiece to you know just prison reform and you know trying to shed light on a criminal criminal justice system because you know it's a lot of times it's hard just trying to to open up everybody else's eyes, open up spectators' eyes to criminal injustices and people like oh this is another angry black man or another you know, somebody trying to get over in the system. Nah, the system got over on this brother. And, you know, he turned around and he flipped it the, the proper way, the, the legal way. But, you know, the sad reality is there are a lot of uh, men that are incarcerated um, mm-hmm. falsely that, you know, the world doesn't even know about. Um, and I know that, not to divert from this story, but I know that... Um, you know, Kim Kardashian and some others have some dealings with different organizations that try to bring light to these types of injustices and, and freeing um, inmates. And, you know, people look back and, oh, okay, whatever. They were still criminals. They were this, they were that. Well, a lot of times there are cases, much like Isaac Wright Jr.'s, you know, like I said, they don't get the line well, They don't get, think, you know. Think about but, the new, what is it, the um, the New York Five? What was the the national park? What's the National Park? Central Park? Central, Central Park Central 5. 5, yeah. There's tons of cases yeah. like that, man. And a lot of it is mis... It's, we don't... We During that time when all that stuff was going on, um, mm-hmm. a lot of us were not educated enough to know our rights. We were not educated enough to know what, what we can fight and what we can't fight. We just took people's word for it because that's the only thing we knew. Not knowing that behind the scenes they were doing dirt. You know what I mean? So that's how a lot of these people got caught up in these situations. They were trusting in the system that they didn't know was broken or that was fighting against them at the time. So it's crazy, man. You sit back and think about it. It was like they were, it, didn't, it didn't matter what you did. You was in a lose-lose situation. And you could, just for being yourself, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's crazy, man. You know, and even like him, I mean, Isaac Wright Jr., he grew up, you know, kind of in an area where they at least somewhat, like you said, trusted the system, didn't have any issues with the law, didn't have any issues with officers. And, you know, we trust the officers and the, the law to do what they're supposed to do. But, you know, then it comes up and, and the tables turn on you and you're like, wait a minute. I thought the justice system was fair. I thought, you know, that this type of thing didn't exist. And now it happens to me, you know, somebody who is completely legit, you know, doesn't have any meddling with um, you know, any drugs or illegal activity at all, completely innocent, you know, just like you mentioned with the Central Five. Now, granted, you know, he was in his 20s when this happened to him, but, 
you know, you just think about the mindset of, you know, people just trying to do, you know, what's the right thing or just trying to say the right things and go along with whatever, you know, the officers or laws trying to, to tell them to to do, you know, just follow directions just so they can go home and do whatever. And it, it, it kind of feels like a lose-lose situation because on one aspect, it's like, you know, you have some individuals who are like, you know what, I don't care. Cops try to, you know, falsely arrest me, then, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go off on them, I'm going to snap. But then you might end up dead on the side of the road, you know, and then it's their word against yours, you know. And then you have the other individuals, Isaac Wright Jr., and even Central Five. It's like, oh, okay, officer, what you want me to do? Oh, okay, okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. Okay, okay. And then you still get, <laughs> you know, <laughs> arrested, beaten, whatever. So it's like, you know, it, it's I can understand how it would be hard for somebody, you know, a lot of people to not trust the system, which is supposed to be created to protect us. And it's, you know, much like any other entity, you know, it only takes one bad apple to mm-hmm. a whole bunch. And a lot of times, you know, these, the severity of these cases, much similar to Isaac Wright Jr., get overshadowed because people are saying, oh, well, it's just one cop, and that doesn't make all cops bad cops. And this isn't a, a bashing cop session here, but, you know, we we have to acknowledge that these type of injustices do exist. We can't, you know, just turn our, our cheek to it and, you know, just take it well, it kind of is what it is. Nah, like, if anybody that feels that passionate about it, because it's easy, you know, to talk about it, you know, and there's so many people that, you know, have their things to say about social injustice or, you know, the legal system and how it's wrong. And, you know, while even while protesting kind of helps some people feel that they, I don't know, done something to, to help the community. It's like put something like put those words to action. You know what I mean? It's one thing to, to stand around in, in a mob of folk that might either have an agenda or have no well thought out plan but then you have the individuals like Isaac Wright Jr. who say you know what I'm going to do what I'm going to think about this logically I'm going to attack them in a way that is truly going to hurt because this is something that happened to me and I know it's happening to everybody else so I'm not just going to sit back I'm not going to hide behind a, uh, a screen and just type comments or statuses no, I'm going to actually do something mm-hmm. about it, you know, and to to turn, like, that's such a, a motivating factor, bro, to see, like we said earlier, he t- took a negative situation and just turned it into fuel for him, you know, because when we sit back and just be angry, it's like we're not doing anything but causing us, you know, stress and, you know, force us into an aneurysm, a heart attack because, you know, we're, we're frustrated and we're irritated, but we're not doing anything about it. You know, so it's like, why not take that anger and flip it into something that can really, you know, really be something positive for us, positive for, you know, the community that we represent, positive for, you know, those that might not have a, a voice for themselves or those who um, might not be, I mean, I'm not going to say have the strong mind to do it, but might not even have the, the desire to. Because, you know, a lot of times it's like when things happen to people, whether it's somebody who expects negative things to happen to them all the time or, you know, someone who this is just the first 
freak accident that happened to you, it's like, you know, some people are like, well, you know, it just kind of happened. It is. Nah, it's not. It's not just what it is. You know, we always have a choice when things happen to us. Either we can do something about it, you know, and hope for the situation to change. But I mean, the situation is never going to change unless we put forth action. So us sitting back and, you know, just complaining about it and whining and crying about it. I mean, it's never going to change our situation. You know, maybe a few people feel sorry for us, but I mean, that's about it. But unless we, I mean, <laughs> you and I both know faith without works mm-hmm. is good. And that's a very key proponent. And, you know, I know it's a biblical statement, but it's such a true statement, you know, whether you whether you believe in the Bible or not. That's just a, a basic principle. You know, I'm sure that's something that's um, spoken in other faiths as well. But, I mean, it, it's, it's common sense. Like, you can't just expect something to happen. And, you know, a lot of times we just put a lot of emphasis in faith. And just saying, oh, well, okay, well, it's going to get better. Mm-hmm. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. And just think we're going to talk our way out of it. No. It, it takes some action. Definitely, man. I definitely agree with that, man. I mean, you, you got to – I'm a problem solver by nature. So for me to just sit mm-hmm. back, you know, and see things and not do nothing about it is just – it irks me because I'm a problem solver. I'm always trying to find a solution to a problem. So I definitely feel you on that. I mean – uh, and this is more natural for others than it is for some, but I'm still at the end of the day, yeah. if you're passionate about something, you got you got to put some work for it. I mean, it's just like if you want to accomplish any goal, you write down the steps you need to take to get that goal, to reach that goal. And it's the same type of principle when it comes to anything. If you use those same exact steps, um, you know, that you use to accomplish that one goal to accomplish another, you'll still you'll be successful at the end of the day. So that's what it's all about, man. Um, one thing that I did read, I saw it on a couple of um, articles and a couple of statements and stuff that I saw from people that was talking about the story. I'm not going to call anyone's yeah. per se out, um, but I did see a lot of people state that um, it's a mystery, I guess, they, in their eyes because, you know, he never, in recent interviews, when people asked him how he got caught up with the um, drug kingpin case and how this was put on him, that he never really claimed his innocence. He only stated that uh, he was he was not given a fair trial and then that he was proven to be you know put in that was proven to be fact or whatever like that and they trying to I guess I guess trying to say that well he, he didn't say he was innocent you know he never really said he never really came out and said afterwards that he was truly innocent he never dealt with any drugs or anything like that and you know I think you know regardless if he did or not it was proven that this guy that set him up was dirty. So regardless what he was being charged for, he wasn't guilty of. And that's the, and that's what you only can be tried for what you're on trial, what you're charged of. What he was charged of being a drug kingpin. And he wasn't a drug kingpin. So at the end of the day, for people that think that, hey, maybe he still was dealing drugs just he wasn't a drug kingpin, hey, he got off. He wasn't guilty of being a drug kingpin. And, um, you know, anyway, I mean, I think also... He could have not stated some verbiage or something in order to avoid any miswordings in the future that may come back to bite him, you know, um, you know, because right. anyone can take, you know, a little tidbit here, tidbit there, splice it or write it in their own words or paraphrase. And they can come back and be like, well, he didn't say he, you know, he he omitted this, or omitted that. Maybe, maybe there is some guilt here. You know, if I was him, yeah. this is what I would have said. Oh, man, I'm 
constitution of the United States of America. I can only choose one. That's what I would have said. That's what I would have said when they asked me that question. I ain't saying Jack. You know what I mean? I'm I'm, I'm a free man. Get out of here with that. <laughs> uh, hey, that, that that sounds like um. Look, I'm not gonna make this all political, and um, yeah, that sounds like a, a common thing, especially with the uh, the upcoming season in November. You know. Hey, with uh, voting and such, and all I'm saying is, when people are proven innocent of certain things, you know, you got the masses running with it and saying, "Hey, certain people are innocent. They were proven innocent. Leave it alone. There's nothing to say about it." Now we don't, you know, like you said, it's all about what you're being convicted for, what you're being accused of. And what's being proven or not proven. I mean, it's the same thing with. I with, think well, I, I was going to say it comes back to even the Zimmerman case. So we all know about the Zimmerman yeah. and the, you know, um, case, Trayvon Martin Trayvon, case. Yeah. And um, I think it was the way they was charging him and, and, and it was the way that it was presented. They couldn't. There was an issue of finding guilt because of the way that they presented it, and I think it was just a terrible job, terrible legal job, um, you know. But I don't want to dig too deep into that. But yeah, I mean, it was intentionally it, yes, very terrible. And then I know there was a big uproar about it, and we all know that there was some wrongdoing there in that whole case. But at the end of the day, it's about what you can prove and what you're being charged. If you're being if you're being charged for A and they only can approve B, C, and D, it doesn't matter. You're only being charged for A, and if those B, C, and Ds are unrelated to A, then they can't. They have to prove. They have to say you're not guilty. So I mean, it's 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 a slippery slope, man. Um, and it's it's crazy. The legal system has. And that's one thing that Isaac Wright stated too. The legal system has so many loopholes. If people educated themselves. Yeah. Own it, you know. There'd be a lot more free people out here running around, which is kind of it's kind of crazy, man. It's it, it just shows you that they yeah. need to, some of these hundred year old or whatever rules that have been out here for eons mm -hmm. need to be rewriting and revisited yeah. today. There's so much more technology, so much more knowledge, so much more information out here today that some of this stuff just needs to be rewritten, man. Um, it needs to be reviewed. And does this actually make sense in 2020? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because even like even like some of the rules of, of double jeopardy, you know, where you know you can't be tried twice for the same thing. It's like unless you have some new evidence or some new thing that you're charging someone mm -hmm. for, which is what why <laughs> I can't even say his name. But some people, even some athletes, walk around with smiles on their face, even though they might have been acquitted of charges such as murder. Of saying, hey, you can't touch me because you don't have any new evidence, nothing yeah. new has surfaced. And I've been, yeah, and then putting out books about, you know, if you would have done it, this is the way you would have did it. Huh? Way? Right. <laughs> right. I mean, I, you know, I mean, <laughs> hey, man, anything for that almighty dollar, right? 
<laughs> Look, if, and I mean, even that situation is like a it's like a slap in the face to the legal system because you know, for for someone to get off and it's like, hey, I might not want to be a lawyer, but I know enough about the law to the fact that I hired you know one of the top lawyers to help beat my case, and guess what I'm gonna do? I'm not gonna become a lawyer. I'm gonna write a mm. book about it. What I would have mm. did. Which might even be specific details leading up to said actions, mm. but guess what? You can't find me again. Yeah. And it's all about knowing those laws, man. And, and it's crazy. You know, even if you don't know everything, it's like there's so much that's out here. And, you know, everything, I thought about this the other day, man. And just so much, you know, history that's you know, encapsulated within books, which, you know, history is biased anyways. But the point is, there's so much knowledge that's encapsulated in books and literature, but you see everything going to being digitized, man. You see, I mean, nothing against certain programs like Audible or Kindle and things like that. But the more we get into digitizing literature, you know, the easier it is to control Mm -hmm. what people know through technology versus having a tangible book where you have information that like no one can refute what's there. You know, if it's a public, if it's a published law book, you know, your knowledge base, everything you need is right there. But if everything, you know, if you're trying to search on the internet, you're only going to get so far, you know, which is why it's so important to read. It's so important that we're, you know, influent and we're, you know, influencing our children and our friends and younger generation to read. I and mean, even, you know, from from our age group, from Zennials and you know, everybody's gotta read. Like I'm I'm be real. Like I'm not one person who likes to read, but I like knowledge and I like wisdom. And in getting knowledge and wisdom, I know I have to read. You know what I mean? And everything that you want to know you're not gonna just find on a um, you know, a digital platform and, you know, just because it's on YouTube. Doesn't oh yeah, de- definitely not, man. <laughs> you know, definitely not. And I was going to say too, man, even with that, you think about, you have a room of 10 people in one room, right? One person whispers a yeah. secret in one ear and then they tell the next person, tell the next person, tell the next person. By the time it gets back to the original person that told that secret, it's a totally different story. And that's just the way it is. And that's yeah. the same thing that is great and also kind of confusing about the Bible for most people. We can all yeah. sit down and read the same verse and get something totally different out mm-hmm. of it. And and it's yeah. you know, and it's just one of those things it's like that in life, it's like that in reading. And if you're gonna rely on somebody else's opinion on a blog to, to and to be your truth, you may be you may be led astray. You may be led down the wrong path because that person may have read that read whatever he read and then wrote about it and that may just be his thoughts and opinions on it yeah. when you read it when you actually read it you may get a whole different opinion like this dude's crazy so that's and that's why i agree it is yeah. important to read stuff and do your own fact checking on a lot of this stuff you know um you know and, and it's it's just crazy out here man <laughs> it's it's just crazy out here man y'all research your research that's all i gotta say on that man um but i want i did want to ask you a question josh so i know i know we kind of mentioned a little bit we didn't go into it too much but as far as do you think i want to get your thoughts on this do you think that for the tv show i know 50 cent had his hand in it um do you think that the tv show should have followed his true life story 
or are you okay with them kind of just using his story and kind of just telling their own for more entertainment purposes? So I kind of look at it twofold. You know, I'm just from uh, the glimpse into the, the the episodes that I got. You know, I think it was impactful if you don't truly know his story to see, you know, this gentleman who is an inmate who gets his, you know, starts to get a piece of his law degree and even work through the system to get um, some uh, bar approval while he's locked up and, you know, being able to leave his cell and go into the courtroom and help to get people off and fight their cases. You know, I'm not sure about all the, you know, the legalities around that and the possibility, but on some aspect, maybe it's, it's given, well, two things. It can be given positive hope and it can be given false hope. It can be given positive hope, you know, for someone who may have been wrongly convicted that's sitting in a cell, you know, and, you know, catches wind of this and it's like, hey, you know, if this man can do it, you know, maybe I can do it too. You know, let me find whatever books I can get. Let me start reading up. Let me, you know, learn more about the law so I can find, you know, a way to, to free myself, to exonerate myself. But then on the other aspect, it's like, you know, just like with reality TV where we see things a lot of times that aren't really like, you know, they're not, they're not true. You know, but when we see it, it's like, oh, well, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do this. Like, eh, maybe not so much because it, you know, it, it's not as realistic as it seems. It's not, you know, as plausible as it seems. But even on the flip side, you know, with his true story, and I don't know if maybe, you know, as he talked to ABC, he didn't want to have every aspect of his true story because of, you know, maybe some, um, you know, some contracts or things with his um, production, his music, and aspects with that, and his wife, and songs, and you know, then you get into royalty talks and all these other stuff, um, or maybe even getting into, you know, sticky situations where you start to describe certain characters or talk about certain characters, which might open up a whole other can of worms of someone who may have that, some, may have been involved. And, you know, it, it gets kind of messy. So, you know, if that's the reason he didn't do it, then I, I get it, I understand it. But I think some people do need to know that, hey, you know what, he was you know, being successful as a music producer. You know, his wife was a a vocalist, you know, because that brings a whole nother, even motivation to it. I mean, this is a talented guy. You know, he, he, he went into this thing, you know, he didn't have any background in law, any interest in law, but he got arrested wrongfully. He got himself off just by doing simply what we said. You know, by number one, having passion and having motivation, but by reading and just looking up and, you know, basically teaching himself. Yeah, he went to school, but, you know, he started to have that knowledge base and, and the passion and the, the drive to want to know the laws that, you know, put him in the system, which, you know, has some corrupt meddlings with it. You know, it was... I think all of his story, you know, the truth behind every aspect of his story helps to paint the total picture as to why he was as motivated and, you know, even showing, you know, he wasn't just some guy off the street. 
you know, he did have a, you know, a successful life before, uh, before he was placed behind bars. So, I mean, I, I think, I think there's positives and negatives to, you know, showing his true story versus showing the semi-embellished version. Yeah, yeah, I can, I agree. I think, like you said, I think a lot of it did have probably had to do with some legal issues and maybe just some confidentiality issues because, I mean, they even changed the names of the characters in the show too. So, uh, I think that's probably what most of it's for and also for more entertainment value. Probably it's a little more entertaining to watch him go back and forth and change into the suits and do all that stuff while he's in jail. It's a little more entertaining um, for the for the, for the the viewers out there anyway. So, I think I think that's what most of it was, it was a little more entertaining. And I mean, I know 50 Cent um, worked with him on it, so he was involved in it. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure they, can, they probably came to, probably heard his story, sat down with him, wanted him involved in it. And uh, I mean, I, all in all, I've heard nothing but good things about the show. I actually am going to watch it. Um, now that I've done all this research, it's definitely got me a lot more interested in it. Um, I'm definitely going to watch it and um, see how it goes. I mean, I mean, f- I mean, 50 Cent really believes in this guy. I mean, he 50 Cent sent him to go help yeah. Takashi Six Nine during all his stuff. So this guy, I mean, 50 right. Cent believes in this guy. This guy's been around for a while. He's like you said, I mean, he's accomplished a lot, man. So I mean, kudos to you, Isaac Wright Jr. and everyone that has helped support him and. Been in his corner, man. I mean, dude's an amazing, amazing, um, amazing man out here doing good things in the community. So, man, this has been a great talk, man. I mean, um, thank you for whoever submitted the question um, and submitted the topic for us to discuss today. Um, really do appreciate that. Um, do want to get into, you know, some some plugs here. Um so, um, Josh, I know you got some do some things on the side. Won't you uh, let the listeners out there know what you got going on? Yes, sir. So much like this story motivated me. One of my big passions is motivating and inspiring others, and you know, helping us live out our our best lives and our most positive lives. So, um, behind that is my my passion, Crown Loyal Inspirations. Um, check me out on Instagram at Crown Loyal. That's Crown with a K. Loyal Inspirations on Gmail. Uh, oh, sorry, on Gmail. Mm. Wow. <laughs> See, I'm so mesmerized by this story. I can't even talk straight. <laughs> on Instagram and Facebook, um, I post uh, daily quotes for inspiration on there on um, different topics. I'm just, you know, trying to add a little bit of light positivity to your day. And also, um, you can check me out on crownloyalinspirations.com. And on there, you will see a merchandise or apparel for a positive lifestyle with uh, my most passionate collection, which is Dark Horse Crimson Cord, which encapsulates the, um, the premise that, you know, God is always going to be there for you. Um, and much like the Dark Horse, where even the cards are, may appear to be stacked against you, you know, as long as you stay focused, you stay driven, much like Isaac Wright Jr., then you will make it to the top and become successful. And just like the Crimson Cord with Rahab that she placed outside of a window and brought her family into her home for safety, it's just a reminder that, you know, God is going to protect your family and he protects his people. Um, so, yeah, man, those are my uh, my things, man. Just everybody living their best life. What about you, bro? Yeah, what man, you y'all definitely go follow, support, 
Josh on those endeavors, man. And uh, what I got, what I do, um, I do photography and video um, and digital marketing. Um, so I have a YouTube channel where I cover my, my own personal car build and I also um, do some tech reviews on that. And then I also do a lot of my marketing and for um, different companies in the area on my Instagram, which is uh, underscore what's your forte. Um, so you can definitely check me out there. Uh, if you have any video or photography needs or anything like that, or, um, you know, just, just holler at your boy, you know, I, I definitely, we definitely can talk and uh, we can work something out, man. So uh, that's definitely what I got going on, man. And definitely go support Josh, go support me, man. Go support, go to next podcast, you know, go to next podcast on Instagram. Make sure you go follow that as well and submit us some DMs, man, which I want to hear us talk about, you know, um, it's out there. We'll talk about anything. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you won't know if we'll cover it unless you, yeah, unless man. you submit it. Yeah, man. Well, shoot, man. Josh, this has been a good, good, good show, man. I mean, Isaac White definitely gave us some motivation. Definitely, definitely has been a pleasure learning about his story. Because um, I didn't, like I said, before this, I didn't know a whole lot about him. I had kind of heard about his story, but I didn't know this full detail, man. So um, thank you again for that submitter. Um, definitely. Um, Help me learn something new today. Well, shoot, man. Um, yeah, so, I mean, if nothing else we take away from this, man, it's just, you know, if you really want something, you know, just be driven, stay motivated and focused on it. And don't just sit back and expect it to happen for you. You know, just know that you got to put the works behind the, the faith that you have in order for your situation to get better. Like, it's never going to get any better um, if you just kind of sit back and just get words spinning in your head or you know just words projected out your mouth you know you got to turn it into some some action some positive energy and make things work for you so um i'd like to uh thank you all for listening uh, thank you tj for uh partnering here again with me on this endeavor and um you know definitely shout us out uh give us a dm or you can send us an email at goldennestpodcast at gmail.com for any topics that you would like um, to hear us discuss any feedback and yeah we'd like to thank you um, like share subscribe um, and yes, sir. We'll check you out next I'll time. let y'all in thank Peace. you so much